0: Welcome to the Aikidojo podcast. I am David Ito, Chief Instructor of the Aikido Center of Los Angeles. And with me is Mike Van Ruth, Aikido 4th
1: Don, Yaido 4th Don. And Bill D'Angelo, Aikido 4th Don.
2: And today we have our first podcast listener question. And it comes from Jackie, one of our Aikido Center students. And here's her question. She says, good afternoon, Sensei. Um, for your next podcast, could you please uh, answer or discuss this question? Uh, can you talk about body, mind, and spirit in Aikido? Specifically, how how back in the day did uh, the samurai uh, prepare and stay focused for war and chaos? Hmm.
0: So I think she's asking about... It's hard to say a lot of those things that it's hard to... Cause there's like a romanticism when we think about warriors of old not just samurai spartans you know um, what would you, what would you call um uh ancient cultures what would, I don't know, what's the word for classical the culture classical cultures like the samurai spartans
2: classical warrior culture
0: yeah classical warrior culture it's to, to romanticize them and think that, oh, these people lived these lives that were so much better than ours. Mythical. Mythical. Yeah. But actually, the lives that they lived were actually pretty horrible. Yeah. You know, what we know about the samurai today, the seven samurai virtues, those were created by uh, Inazo Nitobe in for his book Bushido, the Code of the Samurai, or something like that when, in fact, uh, samurais, what we think is all these people that fought were all samurai, when, in fact, they weren't. Right. You know, they had you had footmen, you had support people, vassals, and so these upper echelon people, th- they were really the samurai. But the rest of the people were fighting were just fighters, right? And so, you know, you're going to... Romanticize them that they all lived these lives of the based on the warrior code, and when it when in fact they probably only did the things which were culturally specific for them, and the things that served them.
2: Well, I when I think about this question, what I think maybe Mike might have a lot to say in this podcast, being um uh, having been an active duty soldier in combat, is I wonder whether Jackie's asking, what can I do? Um, as an Aikido student, using the techniques of Aikido to prepare myself for conflict and to stay calm in conflict, whether it's actually in a physical confrontation during class where there's simulated combat uh, or just dealing with high-stress situations. And when I think about that, I think that, you know, whether it's present-day military culture or in the dojo, um, what, what comes to my mind is uh you know you're talking about classical military culture i mean the romans and and the greeks certainly had the idea that um you don't want to let uh emotion which affects you to determine how you make decisions and that the greeks and the romans had a very very well developed theories of how to control your mind and your body that you always tried to maintain yourself in a state of where you were self-determined. And then you would train yourself through specific mental and physical exercises so that you would stay self-control under stress conditions. And I think the samurai also had similar techniques, and we have those techniques in Aikido too.
0: But the question is, at what level were those people learning that? Not everyone learned those. No,
2: no. But, I mean, well, you mentioned Spartans. I mean, the, certainly the Spartans, which was a very small elite culture, there were probably only 30,000 male Spartan citizens at any one time. The men learned that from childhood. They were put through a process where they were, you know, like, for example, one of the things that they had to do was, at, I think, at, starting at eight or nine years old, they were taken from their parents and they lived communally as boys and they were trained as soldiers from nine years old on. And one of the things that they had to do was from nine to 14, um, they were not, like, um, served, I think, dinner. They had to go out and steal or hunt their food. So they were taught, um, like, food stress. And so the feeling of being hungry, they had to learn to handle that stress uh, on their own. Uh, or there's there's a mythical thing that the Spartans went through um, that— this this was, again, to, to train uh, dealing with the stress of pain. They would put an animal in their cloak that would, like, hurt them. And they had to stay there and, and, and experience the pain and be sto- what Where's the word stoic comes from? Not from the Spartans, but the Romans later developed this, where you would experience the pain, but you wouldn't show it because as a soldier you have to be able to maintain um, composure while you're under pain. And the Spartans did all kinds of crazy-ass stuff to, to train the children from nine, and and in fact, the whole Spartan culture, the the men lived communally, not with the women. And then, when they wanted to go with the women to have children, they would then leave the communal area to go off and spend time with the women. They'd always come back. So, you know, I think that one way to look at this is that um, there are warrior cultures that develop very specific techniques to develop that. But what interests me with respect to Jackie's question is. What what do we do now that's been derived from those other cultures that help us? And I think the key thing that the, the Greeks and Romans did was that they put themselves in repetitive stress situations over and over and over again so that um, they understood what the stress was so that they could remain calm during the stress and make competent decisions. So...
1: Well, from a, now that you mentioned that uh, through uh, military experiences, the training is meant to, short of actual combat, is to create what they call stress inoculation. Right. If, if you're never put under a stressful situation, all of a sudden it happens, you're going to react to that stress differently. Right. Tunnel vision, uh, aud- auditory exclusion, all these weird things that happen when you're under a stressful situation. But to put them through a process of where they're stressing you out, stressing you out, not a constant state of stress. That's where we get into things like PTSD and things of that sort. But to stress inoculate that individual. So when a stressful situation does come, it's not so physically uh, difficult on that person or able to still push forward and not be uh, susceptible to the physical aspects of stress.
0: Well, I mean, what other things do the Greeks, Romans, Spartans do – to stress inoculate.
2: Uh, they, would, they would do, they had this one particular exercise that Seneca, who's one of the most famous Roman Stoics, they would, uh, they were specifically worried about uh, how anger affected bad <coughs> decision making. And so what they would do is they would imagine all the physiological experiences that you would go through with anger, your face getting red, your pulse getting faster, and then they would um, simulate the experience of anger, and then see how the physical aspects of anger um, were unpleasant. And then, as soon as you would go through that, then they would stop. And uh, so there was be this self exploration of the f- why you don't want to experience the negativity of anger, and and basically you would train yourself over time to resist uh, and, and essentially teach yourself that you don't have to live in anger. And one of the techniques that they used, Marcus Aurelius, who was the, probably the most famous Stoic because he was the emperor of, of Rome, is he kept a daily journal. And what he would do is every time he felt something that was disturbing his equilibrium, he would write it down in his journal. And by constantly keeping a record of all the things that disturbed his equilibrium, he would then learn how to constantly self correct on a daily basis and that's how we get um his his uh, meditations, meditations which is probably one of the most famous um records of stoicism hmm. probably the most famous record of stoicism which is the meditations
0: well what kind of stuff would they do when you were in the military well, yeah
1: again the whole the training aspect of it is they put you under these stressful situation especially not only as an individual but as a team as a group yeah. as a group because on top of stress inoculation they're also trying to teach teamwork they're also trying to uh, watch and check for uh s- gleans of leadership you know because during the process of this happening they're going wow look how that guy's handling the stress he's calm under pressure he's able to still operate and lead Why so what about
2: seer mike is that i'm
1: not i'm not too familiar seer happened after i already got out yeah Yeah. but all these situations there where where they're able to stress inoculate uh, build teamwork and also develop leaders out of that because again how can you really assess who the leaders in that group are going to be until you put them under those situations those conditions to see those things come out because the cream is going to rise to the top correct yeah so they're able to watch in a net but a part of that process is to put you under that way when a stressful situation comes on it's like it's not the first time you felt that it's not the first time you experienced that you can glean from that experience and not get all weird when it comes to stress because and the other aspect of it too is you're going to find people who are unable to deal Mm -hmm. with that stress do you want to find that out in the combat field and get a little it's a little late for that we got to find that out now so The weeding out process of putting people under that pressure who can handle it who can't that guy's uh you know that guy's not gonna be able to handle it get him out
2: i have a question for you sensei i mean one of the things that i remember when uh, you know studying uh and some of the other things this also comes from um the the templars is that you know you see some of the paintings and um artifacts from the templars that they would keep the skull yeah uh, on the desk and my understanding is, and, and I'm not really a scholar of the Templars. I can talk about the ancient Greeks and the Romans all day long, but you, you probably know this too. Is my understanding is that the, the Templars would keep the skull uh, on their desk so that every day, like almost entirely every moment, that they have a reminder that they're going to die. Mm. And that when they see the skull, it removes the fear of death because they're always contemplating death. And my understanding is is that, um, at least for some of the samurai class, there is this also a very similar meditation going on, where you're supposed to meditate on your um, your death to transcend your death in your in your action. Is 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 that something that?
0: Not not necessarily is the same thing as maybe that. It's that the you know the Japanese are very, at that time were very harsh people. Mm-hmm. Right, the, they live in a very agricultural society, so if the crops fail, you all die. Right. right, the the winters in Japan are very harsh. Very harsh. Right, so you have to learn. You know, you think about how Japanese people are very um, homogenous and conservative, and you know, one mind, hive mind type thinking is because it have to be. Right, a rice field can't be harvested by one or two people. Right, so. Community. The community comes together, harvests, it, and they go to the next guy's farm and the next guy's farm, and they all work together. You know, one person doesn't get away with having had their farm harvest their their crops harvested and then not gone to the next person's right, thing, right? And right. so, if you look at that, look at look at Japanese society today, there's a lot of reciprocity. Right. Omiyage bringing the gift back home from you go off to Chicago, and then you bring back like frozen hot dogs or like a pen that looks like a hot dog for everybody in the office to say, Look, I might have been away and enjoying myself, but I still think of you. Right? Right. And so you have this idea that, you know, it's it's a very harsh place to live. And so you know, the the one thing you have, which is your every person has is which their asset is, is their life. Right. And so that that's why you see a lot of people killing themselves today. Still, oh, I made a mistake. I just killed myself. Oh, I have to atone for my son's. Uh, my son killed all these people. I I atone by killing myself, and then everyone goes, oh yeah, and then they don't hold a grudge because you know they atoned. But that's that. So that you know, death in the in the, you know classical warrior cultures, right? You're so close to the edge when you fought this battle, and. You know, all these people died. You almost died. You understand where the line is. Right. And so for the samurai, you know, I would imagine it was one of those things where, you know, well, you have to, you can't really think about it from a samurai standpoint. You have to think about it from a Japanese cultural standpoint. Right. The Japanese have this idea of shogunai or shikataganai, which just means it can't be helped. Right. So you go, Bill, <clears throat> you know, um. Your car just exploded. You just go, oh, shogunai. Right. But what can you do about it? So right. just go buy another one or you go do something else. Oh, you're, the, all the crops failed. You don't dwell.
2: Right. You just move on.
0: Yeah. You know, like when I was talking to Fru Sensei about uh, World War II and, you know, all the all the internment camps for the Japanese Americans and things like that. I go, oh, but Sensei, tell me. Tell me all about it. The first thing he said was, it's shogunai. Right. Can't be helped. Got No sense worrying about the milk that spilled, just clean it up. It got spilled at shogunai. You just clean it up. You just move on with with that. You deal with the hardship. You know, if you look at all these different things about Japanese culture, ninja, you know, nin nin, nin is uh, to bear, to endure. But that's also, nin is also the way to say patience
2: Hmm.
0: in Japanese, to endure the hardship, to be patient. Right. And so this idea between life and death, is not – it's its a very cultural thing. You know, like, like someone said, oh, didn't all samurai study Zen? No, not really. There's some that study Tendai, Christianity, Zen, or Buddhism in general. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, but they all have like the central theme of Buddhism, except for Christianity, of course. And so you're thinking about this idea of life and death. Buddhism is very um, – it, it pairs very well with the warrior culture. Warrior ethic, yeah. Yeah, you know, that you know you have to learn to become nothing, so that you can become something. Yeah. And so it's the same thing you're talking about. It's like these stressors. You you learn to deal with these stressors, right? But if you look at a, almost every warrior culture, maybe not Middle Eastern ones, but maybe even then, I don't know. They all are into drinking alcohol. <laughs> or some type of fermented beverage. So maybe the way they deal with it is to... Is to drink. Is to forget by drinking. You know? I
2: mean, you bring up Buddhism, and it seems to me that one of the interesting things about uh, dealing with stress, because Jackie's kind of talking about like the war, she used the word chaos, is, um, you know, our, our, our teacher was a uh, Soto Zen um, teacher, but, yeah. I mean, he didn't teach us a lot of Zen. I mean. He didn't teach much about it, but the the little bit I understand about it that what may be attractive to uh, the warrior class about Zen is you can't let like if you're doing sword or even Aikido, you can't let you can't get your mind get stuck on things. And it seems to me that what I understand about Zen is it, it, it very much doesn't want your mind to get stuck
0: right in, in swordsmanship they call it the non-abiding mind right mm-hmm. exactly in buddhism they call it equanimity right
2: and i think that that's a that, that's a real connection point for sword and aikido and zen having a, a real collaborative um, mental effort that would work in, in a situation of chaos because if you're if you get into chaos and you're feeling that swirling around and all of a sudden you're like ah you're, you're done
0: well, and that's what we're talking, When Mike was talking about in terms of uh, stress inoculation. Right. Is that when, when I was a student, the do- this dojo was very stressful. Oh. I mean, <laughs> and we're, not, we're not even talking about stepping onto the mat. Just in general. Just the thought of Driving like, Driving
1: well, to the dojo, you're like,
0: oh, oh, I remember. And, you know, and that you would have to do all these things to manage the stressful environment that Furious Sensei created so that you could just learn to let it go. So when it was time to act, you could just act. Right. But the the inoculation, oh, those shots were hard. I mm. mean, like, when I was a student, there was a time where when we had a uh, 6.30 class. I would drink uh, 64 ounces of water at 2 o'clock and take two Advil, which I don't – you shouldn't do that because it ruined my stomach. But uh, drinking the water, the reason why you drank that water is because there was no water at the dojo. Right. There were no water breaks. Right. But the reason why I drank it at two o'clock is because there were no bathrooms at oh, the yeah. dojo. Oh yeah. And <laughs> at that time downtown LA was a was bad.
2: I right. Nowhere to go. <laughs> there
0: was no place to go. You had to you know eat eat at Denny's down the street okay. in order to get the chance to use the restroom. You had to cozy up to the people at the cat when the when there was finally a cafe Next to the dojo, you had to cozy, cozy up with the people there and use the restroom. Mm-hmm. You had to do all these things, but that made you think ahead of time because you didn't want it, there to be a situation where you went, oh, I have to use the restroom. And then have to go knock on Sensei's door and be like, pardon me, Sensei, may I use your restroom, which he's fine with. But to pass through his was office huge stress. caused you to him to go, why did you get a haircut? You should <laughs> shave your beard off. You're, you know it and then opens you like, up to everything <laughs> so you're like no thanks and okay. so you prepared yourself ahead of time so that stress inoculation right is that you and then when you went there you couldn't be like i'm having a bad day no. because when you had a bad day and you brought it to the dojo sensei would sense it and then
2: pass go, on you
0: go off on you mm-hmm. and then you'd be yelling at you throwing you down and then you're just like uh so you had to learn to instantly let it go when you got to the dojo because Whatever you bring with you is like, you know, they when Luke came, goes came the, at you. Yeah, yeah, when Luke goes into the cave, he asks Yoda what's in there? And Yoda says, Whatever you bring with you. Right. Right. And so <clears throat> that's why Furious Sensei always talks about before you enter the dojo, cut off your head and leave it outside mm-hmm, the door. Yeah. yeah. Because when you came in, Sensei's BS was enough to bring your own bs in yeah I, i'm having a bad day at work
2: <laughs> no one cares oh my <laughs> well, <laughs> god it's, it's it's so interesting you say that because as you're talking everything that keeps coming to my mind is the landmines of the dojo were the almost the biggest training component and they were of the everywhere dojo. and you could you could you could tripwire yourself five times in an hour
0: yeah and then if you go into his office the the landmines are Per, it's not per square foot; it's per square inch. And then you're standing there, and then you ask. He asked and then the worst thing he could do is ask you for a favor. Oh, Bill, can you change the water bottle yeah, in my office? Oh gosh! You go there; the water bottle's got a change holder that, since he's collecting change, it's got all these papers. It's got all this stuff um, uh, magnet magnetized to the the water dispenser, and then you have to like Move take it in. all off. And sometimes the bottle's not fully out right, of water right so you have to pull the bottle out and not spill a drop of water because if you spill a drop of water what are you doing You're so, and then you, oh, so you have to like do it real fast and then you have to get a bottle of water and then you have to l- know how to drop it in without dropping a drop of water because again you drop a drop of water what are you doing you're so And you're like and then put everything back exactly yeah. the way you had to learn how to put my change back and then like one time we were um, cleaning the dojo and Sensei had all these these plates displayed downstairs on top of this Tonsi right here actually and um, I took a picture of it with when oh, camera yeah. phones first I, came out yeah. and then we cleaned the dojo and we're putting it back and we're all looking at the picture and Sensei goes what is that? why and you I, need to look at the picture yeah, yeah. he goes turn that off <laughs> Delete that picture, and I'm like, "But well, we don't remember." and You say, like, "And then that's your problem." And that yeah,
1: yeah. And you then, should have you should have seen it, known, and you don't need that that crutch,
0: right? So like, you have to be able to look, and take a picture with your mind, and then no, it goes like this, is this, this, and if you didn't, he would get mad, be like, "You place don't go that way." And then you're like, "I don't know anything about Japanese ceramics to know that the Yoshitoshi is supposed to be the Yoshikawa." Oh man, and you just <laughs> but then that. That stress that he inoculated you with in that moment made you be able to look at something and take a picture with your mind and got it. Right. As opposed to, I don't know which one is what. It, right. would, sh-
1: it would just sharpen you. You yeah. just became – and then – I don't know about you, but it almost developed a sixth sense that you would not have developed if you – know, like, you walked up the door and you're like – I sense uh, yeah, this, yeah, this kind of energy or whatever. It got you really tuned in, or was
0: it PTSD? Maybe that I too. Don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> oh. We don't know. I mean, the things that I do today, my own life, are echo from those times. The, that's the 17 years I trained under Fru to where I go. Oh, I should, you know. Before I came here, I packed all my bags, put them in front of the door, so that I when I wouldn't wake up my family <clears throat> at five o'clock in the morning and load my car quietly and even today i forgot something yeah. and i was kicking myself all the way oh, i can't believe i forgot that thing but the reason why you don't put it in your car the night before is that what if your car gets broken into and then all your stuff gets stolen mm-hmm. so you don't do that either so you have to be more than diligent a diligent person might put it all in the car the night before but if their car's outside like mine, then your car could get broken into you, and then you're going to lose all your stuff. So you have to stage it by the door, no matter how much stuff that you're going to bring. Right. And you can't. I can't open it in my garage door. might wake up my kids, and then my wife's going to be pissed. So you have to always be thinking ahead, ahead, ahead. One more, one more, one more. Right. So free sensei's training. It was so stressful. He would push you. Like a regular person's life, you know, maybe they are prepared five steps. But in training under fruit sensory, you had to be prepared. Seven, eight, nine. Maybe 15. Right. Right. They say the average, uh, I think, what was it? The average uh, chess player thinks five steps ahead, but like a grand champion thinks up to uh, 15 to 20 steps ahead. <sighs> Right, and you go, whoa, how many steps ahead? But then that's what that stress inoculation is supposed to do for you—that you know ahead of time, your bag, you should pack your bag, so that in the morning you could just grab it and run, not go have to go through the whole thing of where's what's in my bag, where's my bag, and then you forget something because you're tired. Yeah. Right. You know, and that that's really really hard for people to do because no one wants to live that way. Right. Well, so it's
1: kind, of, it's kind of thing, just down to like in the military, changing your you're changing your socks out in the field, right. You don't take both your boots off, change your socks, and put your boots back. You take one boot off, change the sock, lace it all back up, then yeah, the go ahead, one. because you never want to be caught with both your boots off if this shit ever
0: hits. Well, that that's actually what was a free, you know, he had all these, like, we, he had all these unspoken rules. Like, one of the rules is that you're never fully naked in the dressing room. You always, and I, it's funny, because sometimes I'll see some of the older guys, uh, seniors, do the same thing, is that when they dress, they take their lowers off first, put put their lowers on, and then take their uppers off. So they're never fully naked. And that's uh, uh, that was a free Sensei method. But that's not something he said, all right, everybody, gather around. This is what you should do. Mm-hmm. Right. He mentioned it in passing, and everyone went, that's what we're going to do. Right. You didn't um, take off your clothes fully. You took off your shirt first, put your uwagi on first. You took your pants off and then put your zubon on and then you tied everything up so that if you ever had to run out of the dressing room, you would be half clothed. Right. And then someone told me, which I don't know if this is true, that it comes from a Miyamoto Musashi story, where the reason why Miyamoto Musashi supposedly didn't bathe was because in uh, Eiji Yoshikawa's book, Musashi, he was, uh, he was taking a bath and attacked by, the, by some people. And so that's why he never bathed because he never wanted to be caught off guard. off guard. Yeah. Right. But like, since he never said, all right, everybody, this is what you're going to do. You saw someone get in trouble, and then you <laughs> changed your method yeah. to reflect that thing so that you wouldn't get in trouble. Like, one time, this student showed up to a demonstration without a, Uniform, hakama, without a hakama, and panicked, drove someplace to buy a hakama, and then drive back and then you went oh i never want that to happen and so now after that point i always kept a full set of old uniforms in, beh- your- in my in my truck behind the seat always so that if i had to break out the pants top hakama anything i at least had something and wouldn't get in trouble because you couldn't show up without be- a uniform oh, well yeah, not like-
1: only that if you got the call from sensei and you happen to be down in long beach and you couldn't drive all the way home to go get your uniform He said, "Hey, i need you up here right now and then boom you were you had your gear ready to rock and roll
0: yeah and then that's that's a thing like if you can't you can't tell someone to be like that like today if someone shows up with their hakama i just go oh my gosh you're so ridiculous and then just train those days you would you would you would quietly go around hey anybody got a hakama Anybody got a hakama?
1: And yeah, then, it's like it, it, give, it would come down, you need to turn in your black belt, too. It's like, a, the, oh, my
0: God. Like, you have to hear he all that. You
1: catch all kinds of head. Yeah, so,
0: like, you know, there was a time where um, before I, w- I was a black belt, and when I was a black belt, or when I was a student, you couldn't buy your own hakama, and you weren't allowed to buy your own black belt. Right, Those The first one was bestowed upon you by the teacher. Right. So, for six months to a year, I didn't have a black belt or a hakama. And then one day the student goes, just wear one of mine. It just gives me oh. a hakama. Ooh. So I come downstairs, and of course I'm not wearing it properly. <laughs> and then Sensei just goes, what do you think you're doing? I go, oh, uh, that guy said to wear it. He goes, you know, you can just get your own hakama. Hamon, which means kick, you know, excommunicate. Hamon, two weeks kicked out. Really? And I was like. Oh my god! And then like me and the guy are like taking off our uniforms and then leaving after the we had, just right then and there didn't even get to start class. Just got kicked out for two weeks. And then the guys like, I'm sorry, I'm all dude. I don't want to hear it. It's all right. It's okay. I shouldn't have listened to you. You know. And then afterwards, Sensei's like, What do you listen to that person for? And I'm like, I, I don't know, Sensei. Like, he made a compelling argument. This <laughs> a <while."> compelling <laughs> argument. You know. I, I don't know. But, but that's the thing is that like. <clears throat> Stress inoculation is about how you develop your warrior's mindset. So if you read a lot of uh, David Goggin's stuff, you know, the mm-hmm. former Navy SEAL, that guy, he all his entire book's all about… Stress inoculation. Stress inoculations yeah. and mind hacks. Yeah. And it's funny because we would do those same mind hacks as well when we were when we were students. You know, like um, that Sambazuke or something like that. or I th- I'm not sure if that's the right word for it, but it's the… It's the old judo maxim. You train one, I'll train three. Right. Right. You do uh, you do fifty push ups, I'll do a hundred. You do ten pull-ups, I'll do two hundred pull-ups. You know, all that craziness that people used to do back in the day that to try to beat someone. So like supposedly that that, that Masahiko Kimura, the famous Kimura famous canvas, judo guy. Uh, judo, yeah. He would do nine hundred push ups a day. <sighs> right? And then you think, dude, this guy was so strong. His osotogari, his outside sweep, leg sweep, supposedly in training he would give people concussions, Dang. and it got to a point where they had to ask him to, <laughs> to not to
2: go easy, not,
0: no, not use that technique in training, because too many people were getting, getting concussions. Hurt. Yeah, you know, but like you, he lived that Spartan, quote unquote, Spartan lifestyle. Yeah, where you, you know, even I think I'm not sure if it was like uh, Mr. T in Rocky Three. Or one of these movies where he's like, you know, I don't have any flunkies in my corner. I sleep in, I sleep in a, in, in, you know, in a basement on a on a, floor. on a cold floor. But then you need that, yeah, right. You need to have that element which grounds you and makes you hungry, because the worst thing that can happen is that you get soft and you stop being hungry. You don't have that warrior's mindset to overcome that moment when you can't go any farther. And, and you, that
2: and that that edge I think comes into our daily lives now. Even, even if you're not a, a warrior, literally carrying a rifle, or you're you're in a competition ring, I mean, I I feel that in my own work.
0: But people don't think it like that. Yeah. You have to think about it in that sense, where you know you have your pens all lined up. You know, because so when you just grab, it, you grab a pen. You don't have to go. Where's a pen? Where's a pen? Right. You know, you know where the paper in the copy machine is all stocked up so right. that when you have to print something, it gets you can print it right away. You're preparing yourself to succeed. But because you're not, we're not fighting, people just go, oh, it's just whatever. You know, they say like the average person, once they become distracted, it takes them 12 minutes to get back on track. 12 minutes? 12 minutes. Damn. So when you stop to read a text or stop to read an email while you're doing something, it could take your mind a long time to,
2: to re- refocus. Re-
0: yeah. And then that's the thing is that, like, the old days when I was a student, I didn't need to warm up. Because once I rolled and my head touched the mat, my body instantly relaxed, it became flexible, and I was ready to go. Right. I didn't need to be like, oh, i got to stretch my back, you know, that type. There was no that thing. Because when we were students.
2: You had to go right
0: away. If you were late and you came on the mat, Sensei would be like, oh, you can you can uh, warm up. But that was a trick. <laughs> <laughs> because while you're warming up, you're spending all this time warming up. He's like, like how long, so long is long gonna take? Let's go. And you're like, "Well, you said warm up." So then you came in late. You just went right in and trained. Yeah. Warmed up while you're get while you're doing We're the, you're yeah, training, yeah. You know. And you didn't you couldn't you could. He said you could warm up, but you really couldn't. But then the whole time he's staring at you and you're like, "Uh, I better you just get on the how mat. How long is this guy going to take?" Yeah. <laughs> Or you know he gets it bad at you because you're taking too long.
2: So I have a question for, for both of you, which is, because um, we've been talking about training and martial arts and all these things in other podcasts, and this I think this topic is I'm I'm really glad Jackie asked us this question, but this this brings up another question, which is, how do you do this kind of training now? It seems like it's very, very hard because we're we're all reminiscing and we went through all this and I think we all benefited really well. And and it's it's had all these amazing collateral effects in our careers and our personalized and in our keto and our martial arts. But how do we how do we train other people? Like Jackie asked this question, so she must be feeling the need for this kind of training. Um, So how do we train people without being masochists?
0: Well, you have to search for the uncomfortable. So one time when I was doing hot, I did a lot of hot yoga for a while. I would get there early enough to get to choose my, be able to be the first person to choose my spot. And I would look for the, the heating vent, treatment. put it down. And the guy came over. He's like, you know, that's the hottest spot in the. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. I know, <laughs> Yeah. I do know that. But see, like, then that didn't really serve me because I was competing so strongly with the other people in the class and the heat and all that stuff, I hurt myself. Hmm. right So that's not part of it either. So you have it's hard because you have to kind of search for ways to improve yourself and be uncomfortable or be uncomfortable and improve yourself. Yeah you know it's putting out packing all your clothes the night before enables you to be prepared. you know and that's where the you know the, this thing becomes where someone the other day asked me like, oh, what time do you wake up in the morning? And I said five. And the person said, oh, wow, man, you're really driven. And I go, not really. If I was driven, I would wake up at 4.30. I naturally wake up at 5. That's easy. So if it's e- anything that's easy, you must be make it hard some way. Like when I was a student, they uh, we would train really hard before class so that you're we completely exhausted and then you take the class hmm. so that you would know what it's like to train exhausted yeah or one time i was stretching before class and oh, i pulled a muscle on my back and i was like oh i'm just gonna go home and the other one of the other students goes nah man you should train then you could feel what it feels like to train injured and i was like okay <laughs> you know and you're training you're like every time you roll you're like oh, oh, oh. every time you move oh. yeah but then you got you understood what it would take like there's a famous story of tiger woods uh there, you know, he played at Stanford. He played golf at Stanford, and there was a really bad, you know, rainstorm. And he was going out there with a bucket of balls, and someone goes, "Hey, man, it's going, it's raining really hard out there." And He goes, "Yeah, I know." He's like, it, it, "And the gusts are crazy." He's like, "Guys, and Tiger Woods is like, I know. I want to know what this is like." Hmm, interesting, right? So then, when he goes and plays at the, you know, British Open. And it's crappy weather. Experience that same conditions. He goes like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. Because I've been there before, I become familiar. Yeah. And then, like you said, you're inoculated from that stress and you can go, I I get what it's like. It's not a shock to your system. You know, and that's one of the reasons, like, when I, my whole entire journey of self-discovery began in this class I took when I was, uh, like, 19 years old, 18 or 19 years old at PCC. It was a sports performance class, and this guy talked about all these different techniques to improve yourself, self-development-wise, and he told the story about the uh, L.A. County Fire Department is really hard to get into. You have to score 100 on the um, oral exam to even be go to the next level, 100. So he wanted to test this theory where he used visualization. So he went through the whole process, got it. Passed all the tests, got 100 on everything, and got to the um, uh, oral exam. The a couple of days before the oral exam, he goes to the place where it's supposed to be held, and he talks to the janitor, and the janitor lets him in to see the room. He scopes out the room, gets the lay of the land, and then goes back and visualizes the interview, and then takes the interview and gets 100. And then he just dropped out after that. But it was he wanted to see, see if he could do it. He could use visualization, right? But by going to that place, that enabled him to stress inoculate wow. because he at least saw the the setup. Because it's always the same. You go, oh, there's going to be a guy there. I'll be sitting here. Okay, so I'll know what it's about. And that's the same reason why people should come and watch a black belt test. If, if they're ha- if they're not a black belt, because they see it and they go, they're stress inoculating. Oh, that's the format this is what it's about. Okay, well, I don't need to freak out. Now I know where to bow and how to bow. Okay, I know how to do these things. You're stress inoculating, right? So you, you put yourself into these environments that are uncomfortable so that you can grow. Right? Yeah. So what How? What do you want to grow? Well, how, you, you want to, if, if uh, Watanabe Sensei makes you do a thousand Subruti in class, it's really, really hard. But if you did a 1,000 subruti every day, a 1,000 subruti would be like, eh, no been, big been deal. There. Like one time Sensei got mad at us. And he said, he told the person teaching the class, all ukemi, no technique. Oh yeah, we talked about that. And then, so we had roll, we had a break fall, back and roll, forward roll, but, and I the whole time I was like, this is so easy. And I was like laughing to myself. The guy's like, 50 handshake break falls. I was like, no right, problem. Let's go. I have my break falls pretty smooth 50 break falls rolls all these different things at the end of the class people were dying gassed out and i was like this that was so e-. i was like laughing to myself this is so easy right because i had done so much ukemi prior to this time and my ukemi technique was good so then it's not that uncomfortable for me right but essentially would have like said two hours or three hours or you know do this or something that i'm not accustomed to Maybe he would have dragged me out into open waters where it's really deep, and then I would have drowned. But then how many people would have drowned before we got there? Well, that goes
1: into a whole other area. Is Part of the whole condition aspect of being in the military is it eliminates that physical stressor. There's all kinds of different stressors happening, but the more physically conditioned you are, that eliminates one of the possible stressors. Right. That way you can address the other ones. Because if you have this stress on top of this stress on top of this stress, your chances of success dwindle but if we could, okay let's eliminate the physical stress you're highly conditioned okay that's less of a factor in this scenario
0: yeah what's your favorite uh, patent quote
1: uh, I have several of them but yeah he's he's
0: all about training yeah well fatigue makes cowards of us all yeah right
2: yeah, I mean, that, that was my first answer to Jackie's question, which was, you know, what, how do you, how does samurai or how does anyone prepare for war and chaos? And I think this would be Mike's answer and probably your answer too and mine is it's just training. You have to consistently train for conflict, whether it's mental training, physical training or a combination thereof. You have to consistently prepare for conflict and, and war and chaos. You have, to, you have to train for it and prepare.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you guys might think about it as a, you got to train for it, which is true. And then I also, as an Aikido teacher, add another layer, which is if it scares you, face it. Right. You know, the Absolutely. monk, the monk Yokan said that, like, if you're scared, face it. If you're going to die, face it. If death stalks you, face it. Right, you whatever you whatever your fear confront is, it. Get, confront it.
1: Get comfortable with the uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, and so like you know, you sleep with a a tennis ball on your leg or in your back, and it's so uncomfortable, so that you know what it's like yeah. to be uncomfortable.
2: Well, I totally agree. I think that that's you know, going back to the Romans. I mean, they they really believe that um, emotion, like fear, which is an emotion, but any of these emotions that they literally are almost like outside forces coming into you and that they destroy your ability to act and that you have to learn to control yourself and that you learn to control yourself by training by as mike is talking about and you're talking about by putting yourself in situations where you experience the negative emotions you learn to train to keep them at bay and then that allows you to make good decisions and under adverse conditions, which in Jackie's questions is what she says, war and chaos that, you know, whatever that training is. And in our, in our case, the training is Aikido, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're an Aikido school and an Yaido school.
0: Well, when that's when you train and train, you train on the days you don't want to train. If you train, if Jerry West said, if you train on the days, only trained on the days that you wanted to, you would never train. Right. Never practice. So that's a thing, right? Like you have to confront Something and make it uncomfortable. You could go to the dojo on this day, but you really don't feel like it. Well, got to do it. That's the day. That's the day to do it.
1: That should be your deciding factor <laughs> whether you go or not. I don't want to go. Well, today's the day.
0: In free sense, he said those days are the days that matter the most. Right. The days when you want to go, he said, don't matter at all. Right. But it's the day you don't want to go that matters. That matter that you get the most okay. growth from because you had to overcome your mindset. To you know, you go. I, you know, I don't want to go tonight. What? The Broncos are playing the. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? This is a once at a time. And you know they've. Well, you know, and you talk yourself into it. And just as you talk yourself into not going, you have to talk yourself into going. Right. You know, and that's where David Goggins has all these little um mind hacks. Yeah. You know, every chapter in his book, bu- his book is those are just stories about his mind hack and how he learned that mind hack. We do all that all the time. You know, um, taking their souls is that when I was a student and I would see uh, during a seminar and I'd see people getting all tired at the, end, <laughs> the very end of the seminar, whenever it was like tanking, like, I'd last start, class, Trash them or, or at the end of the class, I'd start breaking fall, break fall. boom. And the people just, their faces would just be like, because they're dying, and here right. you are t- turning it up and on. Fresh as a daisy, turning it up to eleven. <laughs> Do you
2: remember Sensei when the, in, the um, in in the seminars, the old day seminars, where we'd have like over three days, like thirteen classes, and the last class, Sensei would turn the jets on in the very last one. Yeah, and
0: I would just start going as hard and fast as I could, just just to destroy people. Yeah. That's the David Goggins taking their souls.
2: Yeah. I would remember that he would make the last class the hardest class of the whole seminar. And people would be like, you got to be kidding me.
0: No. Actually, you're talking about the second to last class.
2: Was it the second to the last yeah,
0: class? I always taught the last class. And then, do you, know what you remember, Sensei would leave and I'd be like, all right, everybody, we're not going to go crazy. And they'd do like 20 minutes of stretching just <laughs> make it super. I'm like, no one needs to die today. Just yeah. let's turn let's turn it down a little bit. But <clears throat> but then you know, when I now that I think about it, that's wrong. So I had this patient um come in yesterday and I last time I saw her was three years ago. And three years ago I saw her one time and then she came back three years later. And I was like, Okay, so then she's like, Oh, you you talked to me about this and that and so we started talking about metaphysical stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, Is this pain, you know, from an injury or is it what do you think? And she's like, oh, I think it's, like, you know, emotional. And I'm like, oh. So we, and she's a trauma expert. She has a PhD in educational leadership with an emphasis in trauma. trauma. Wow. <clears throat> and so we, I started working on her, doing all these different things. And then I went, I'm going to stop right here. And she's like, you're going to stop right here? And I go, yeah. I go, what, I'm not going to go any farther. I probably could grind this this muscle out and help mm-hmm. you but i'm not going to and she's like why not I'm all, because i don't want to rob you this if you think this thing is here to teach you something if i alleviate this thing you're not going to learn and i don't want to rob you of that and so i'm not going to uh fix you here are the things you can do to, to help that thing and two to three weeks of being diligent it should be fine but all the, the whole all the time you have to kind of Say to yourself, well, I got to let go of this right. emotional problem that I'm having. <clears throat> but the point of the whole story is that I didn't want to rob her. So now that I think back on me letting you guys off the hook on the very last class of the seminars, I was robbing you. That's wrong. Interesting. What I should have done is turn it up. Made you guys all push yourselves to the limit, throw up, so that you can you can confront your demon on the mat. Right. Right, because on the mat, who comes out? The teacher, the talker, the fake injury guy, the you know the, all these all these weird little things come out that you do to not train. Hey, so where are you from? You right. know, or oh my, uh, I gotta sit out. My butt hurts. Um, or, or the guy, well, you're not doing it right. Let me show you how to do it. All those people show me. Ah, oh. whenever people do that on the mat today, I go. Oh, there's their weakness coming out. Right. You know, but that's that maybe i robbed those people when i didn't teach that class that way because and maybe that's i'm still doing that today as i make the classes easier for this that or other thing i should know man this is Just your this is your opportunity to push yourself and confront your demon whatever your demon it is your demon is to quit don't quit confront it your your demon is to throw up don't swallow it you can swallow that throw up no you can't there was a guy in high school that would go <laughs> <laughs> And they just swallow it back after ah, when they're drinking, exactly. <laughs> but you know the thing is, he never threw up, right? But right. that's so. I mean, you have to confront your demon. My demon is to quit. My demon is to this. My demon is to get mad. My demon is to you say no. Okay, the training's hard, but it's just physical. Right. The stuff that's coming up on the mat, that's my that's the test. Oh, I'm so you're talking angry. about
2: you're saying that like. Everything that we've been talking about, when it comes out in this really, really hard training, it's almost like the chaos is in our mind. Like the real chaos is in our mind.
0: It is all mindset. all mindset. Yeah. It is this everything about you and this everything you do is all about mind. Yeah. Mind mindset, mind hacking, talking your mind into doing it, talking your mind into not doing it. I should eat apple pie. I don't even like apple pie. But, you know, I haven't had apple pie in so long. I should probably have it. And Grandma used to make apple pie all the time. And, you know, I used to be blah, 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 blah. blah and I had the apple pie. I thought you are on a diet. I know, but it was apple pie. It's just, it's just a mind hack. And so you have to, like... You know, it's like that uh, episode of *Diversity*, um, the dodgeball with uh, Vince Vaughn. Oh and, yeah, and you know, uh, Ben Stiller's characters like spelling the pizza. You know, <laughs> trying to tempt himself and shocking himself every time he goes. He wants the pizza. You have to do that. Yeah. Because there's no other way for you to change and improve yourself if you don't, if you're not uncomfortable. And then yeah. you know, this is not very PC, especially in today's lifestyles. That suffering is the only way for to create change. Yeah. And so that's why I told that lady, I'm not gonna take this away from you. You right. need to work through this. Yeah. And then she was like, Okay, I will. You know, she's a trauma specialist, she she knows I'm it, I was r- it right. seems to
2: me like with martial arts though, we're we're in kind of a a difficult situation in the present cultural environment because as you say, it's a very uncomfortable, painful <coughs> experience. It's not it's not it's not a happy place. It may be not it's maybe not a horrible place, but it's not a happy place where you go to learn these lessons.
0: Well, that's the thing where the and that's the thing I'm trying to create today in the, this dojo. The harshness stays on the mat. Mm. But the community is stays around it. Stays around it and is comfortable and and generous and friendly and all those things. But the harshness
2: is just stays localized. on the
0: mat. Yeah. Right, and so this is something that we were talking about the other day, which is Aikido is not medicine. Right. Dojo is not medicine. The teacher is not the savior. It's the training which changes you. Right. You got a problem, put yourself, throw yourself into training, and the problem will go away or fix itself. Right. So there's a famous thing called in Japan called the pilgrimage of the 99 temples. So, whenever you had a problem, you go to this priest, he would say, take the pilgrimage of the 99 temples. So, you have to go visit these 99 temples. Right. The, the pilgrimage of the 99 temples takes 12 years. So, you got a problem with the girl? Take the, the, the pilgrimage well, so, of the 99 temples.
2: This is very similar to what you and I were talking about with that, um, Carl Jung saying that you don't necessarily solve a problem, you outgrow.
0: Right, and, and so by the time you get back of twelve years, it's over that with. girl that you were having a problem with, that bully you were having a problem, the harvester having a problem those things are all gone what yeah. girl yeah she's <laughs> she's older yeah. and married now, so there's no problem but you but that's that thing right like if obviously they don't want you to just run away from your problems, but it's that you have to put yourself into something positive which creates change
2: yeah i I think that makes a lot of sense so
0: how do you do that in today's climate? The, t- the, today's climate's no different than 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years. It's all the same, right? I think it was Heraclitus, even though Jacob said it's probably not, but it, Heraclitus said with a, <clears throat> a group of 100 warriors, uh, 20, 10 shouldn't even be there. 10 or 20 shouldn't even be there. 70 or 80% of those people are just fodder. 10% of those people are are fighters, but only one of those – fighters is a true warrior yeah it's the same thing it is today it just seems different because of the internet and all that stuff there are still people out there that want to push themselves i mean look at crossfit right i mean people are like giving their, themselves rabidosis and dying yeah. because they're training so hard so the training the, the desire to train is out there right we just have to kind of create a situation where they can understand that the harshness of the training stays on the mat right but then there's still this social structure where it's generous, kind, fun, but not just this place where people are ke- beating the crap out of you and you whispering in your ear, <laughs> "You're not a no one. You're never. You're not a. Uh, you're not a has been. You are never was been." <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually said that to someone. That's why I say that. But, and that's rude. Right. That is rude, right? That's you know. So that's the hard part. Is that. That we have to replace the bully culture of, right. of the martial arts with the harshness of training. Right. In the old days, you would, the, the, the teacher would be, would be your enemy, and you were trying to defeat the teacher because the teacher was so cruel, you're like, I'm going to beat this person at their own game. Right. But today, that's not really healthy either. Right? So, you have to make it about the physicalness of the training, which creates the harshness and the suffering, which enables you to grow. You know, if you you said, man, I'd never be able to throw Mike Van Rooth down. And then one day I did. Then I after that I realized I can throw anyone down. Right. You know, but then if you never confront, you always run away from Michael Van Rooth, like, you you, grow? how are you going to climb that mountain? Right. Right? You have to one must uh dance with the devil to know the devil type thing and then you you try this person on. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I don't know if they do that in the military where they you you have they they give you a goal which just seems, you know, unsurmountable. And then when you achieve that goal, you're like, wow, I can do anything.
1: Yeah, there's always these areas to get over. And I, I, I think from my experience, I, I grew up in a, as a young man in, a, in an environment where it's like, well, go do that, go do that. So again, we were talking about before stress inoculation, it's like, hey, go do that. And you had to do it. And it's like, so when the next task comes along, you've built on that. Comments to go well. I think I can do that. I've done this, that, and the other. But building those those points of I've overcome this, I've overcome that. You know, the next task doesn't seem so insurmountable because you have a track record of meeting a situation and overcoming it. What's the 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 the, the talent the the talented student mm-hmm. where? Where you're, you're good. You're physically good at everything, and then once you reach an actual obstacle, and you're like, "Oh," and then you, and you you fail because yeah,
0: you, you run out of talent.
1: E- you run out of talent. Everything was easy, but you never had to really come up against any kind of obstacle and have to overcome that. And then you, uh, but again, it's all mindset.
0: Yeah. So I mean, if this everything we, we think about in this, well, this we go back to Jackie's question, right? right? Jackie's question is really about mindset. How do you overcome? S- x you know how do you kill people and overcome that how do you um lose a lose a loved one and overcome that you know this lady who came to me she had lost a daughter and so we had we had to kind of talk about that too right but it's that all these things are but distractions from the way right oh i i you know i can't i cut my little finger i can't come to class today there's a there's a thumbtack in the road i can't come to class today or i don't feel like it today or, my husband and I got in a fight over this today. Yeah, That I still have to go, and I still have to over- overcome, you still have to confront. What is, it all comes down to why. Why do you feel this way? How do I deal with the fact that I gotta, th- think about the, the warrior's mindset. You're training for something which may or may not ever, ever, ever happen. And
2: that, that is, I think, one of the hardest things. For many students, they'll train their entire life.
0: Never use it. Never, use, never use it. Use it. Right, but that's the difference between getting dressed for battle and being prepared for battle. The the barbarians are at the gate, you get dressed and you go fight. You don't prepare to start doing push-ups right before that, right? You should have been doing push ups before way, way, way before that. So it becomes down to this mindset of developing yourself at all any and all times. Yeah. You know, can I drive get to the dojo faster? Can I Take this route and I've never, I've got an extra 20 minutes. I've never driven this route. I'll drive this route to see what it's like. So if I ever have to do it, you know, I'll know what it's like. Oh, I hurt my back. So I have to go to a chiropractor, even though I don't believe in chiropractic. Maybe there's something there, right? But it's all why, why, why? Why do you want this? Why don't you want this? Why are you going to give up? Why are you not going to give up? So you confront all those things and it becomes part of your mindset at everything that you do. Right? And so when you look at like, I don't want to break fall. Why don't you want to break fall? I just don't I'm af- I'm afraid I'll get hurt. And then you, we create a situation where you're not going to get hurt. And then you realize, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Right? You know, that's and then you think, oh, I, I don't think I could ever be good enough to, to become a black belt. And then I got the opportunity to to test for the black belt. And I passed. And not only do I pass, I passed well. And then I drove to that place and asked that girl out that I've been dying to ask out for five years. Right. And then she said no. And then, but that's okay. <laughs> but then it was okay because she said no, and it, the rejection wasn't that bad. Right. The fear, the anticipation, is worse than the act itself. Yeah. Right. So change comes from the act of doing. So everything comes back to this box on top of your head, which helps you or hurts you. Mm -hmm. Right. The mind is a is a what's the thing? The mind is a wonderful servant or horrible master. Yeah.
2: And I think that really brings us back to like, you know, kind of wrapping it up with the question, which is how do you how do you stay prepared for war and chaos? And I think we've sort of all three of us have kind of come at this and and it comes back to, as you say, you have to train physically and mentally um, on a
0: consistent basis.
2: Whether you want to or not. Whether you want to or not, especially when you
0: don't. Um, If that's what you want. Some people, I just want to go golfing.
2: Right. No, no, but But Jackie's Jackie's asking the question, like, how do you do this if you're going to (coughs) prepare for war and chaos?
0: You have to constantly be searching out opportunities that are uncomfortable, stressful, suffrage, hardship, in order to grow. You think, oh, I will... I have a hurt finger. I will train, so I know what it's like to train with a hurt finger. Oh, I'm I'm afraid. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm afraid to train with this guy. Then I'm going to train the entire class with this guy. Right. To confront that fear, to realize it was nothing. It was all just an illusion or delusion in your mind. So we, that's why it. Her question really is about mindset. You have the killer's mindset, warrior's mindset, whatever you want to call it, to where you're like, this is all an illusion of my mind saying that the, I can't, I won't, I won't be able to. And then go, why? Why Why can't I be the president? You can't be the president, why? Why? Well, then you gotta do the, you're gonna have to do this, 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 and this. Absolutely. And that, as a teacher, the, the hardest part is not to rob people of the opportunity to grow. Because even if they don't hit the mark, they still will grow. Right. So the, the opportunity, the, the teacher has to always be creating the opportunity and never stifle any person because you never know who's gonna become who. You know, one time this girl asked me, hey, I was thinking about becoming a lawyer. And I was like, oh really? What, why, why do you wanna become a lawyer? And she was my employee and so we started, she told me all these reasons why she be, we wanted to be a lawyer. And I, I said, honestly, I don't think it's gonna happen. Because in order to argue in front of the Supreme Court, blah, 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 you're going to need this, this, and this. And I just think, and I shouldn't have done that because she, she stopped trying to be a lawyer. Mm, interesting. Right? I robbed her of the growth and the possibility of becoming that person. You never know. I was wrong. Okay. Hey, can I become president of the United States? Maybe. Ready to put the work in? Ready to be uncomfortable? No. Then you probably won't be. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if that person says, man, I want to be an Aikido teacher, I'd say, ready to put the work in? Right. Yes. Well, let's do this, man. I'll right. do, I'll take you as far as I can take you. Hopefully that's far enough. Right? But if you think, yeah, you'll never make it. <laughs> like Free, like free Sensei would be like, your left foot. Your, your left, other left foot. foot. Your other, <laughs> your other, other left, left foot. foot. And then he would say, you should just quit. And I can't tell you how many people would, right after that, quit. quit. Yeah because they took his word as gospel. right? And, you know, maybe he shouldn't have used that word, or maybe I don't even know, but maybe it, it's hard to balance the stress and stressfulness with the, um, the kindness and compassion and, and st- stability and structure that that person might need, Yeah. right? Because you don't really know where they're at. Mm-hmm. So if you, you tell them no too much, maybe that no breaks them. You tell them yes too much, the yes makes you soft, right? Right. So that's why Sensei talks about the, psyching robot, the I think that's the word, that the, the beauty of the plum blossom balanced with the hardness of the shell. If you have too much war, you become calloused and inhumane. You have too much beauty, you become weak. Right. Mm-hmm. But you have to have this balance, right? But that's where you have to have trust and faith in your teacher, the training, and all those things that, oh. He's going to make me do something which I don't want to do, but then that enables me to become good. Right. There are several techniques that I that we do that I don't particularly care for them, but I'm good at them because Sensei made me good at them. Right. Because he made us do them even though we didn't want to do them. Right. And, you know, all these things. I mean, I am an ambivert. I mean, uh, you know, I'm an extrovert and an introvert. And it's funny because when I took the Myers-Briggs personality test, at the end... The person told me. I went, "Oh wait, I, I did that with my extrovert personality, which my real personality is introverted. But now there it's I'm an ambivert today. I'm both kind of uh,
2: half and half, half and
0: half. But I how did I how did I learn to be an extrovert? Since it's like you're going to be the speaker at the demonstration today. What? what hands me the script and I'm like the Aikido Center will talk or, about being uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> or he was like, "Oh, the 30th anniversary. You're going to speak." Write a a speech and speak. What? You know, and he he would just be like, yeah, you're going to do it. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, Okay. And then like, you know, but all those things, having to do demonstrations, made it to where I can stand up in front of a crowd and be like, so anyways, Aikido's like this. Right. Before I'd been like, oh, I can't (laughs) do it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, and that's that's the hard part. So it's more
2: about, again, confronting a stressful environment and training and doing it
1: over and over and over again. Yeah. <clears throat> he, he, want, he got stress inoculated right up there on stage. So
0: you, I'll tell you, you know, as we, as we wrap this up, let me tell you a, a quick story about stress inoculation. So one day I came to the dojo, and Sensei tells me, there's a guy coming to this 5 o'clock class that I want you to kick him out. And I go, why do you want to kick him out? He said, I just don't like him. And I go, what do you mean? He's all, just kick him out. So I'm like, okay. He gives me the guy's file. And the file's like, 1984, uh, world Russian kickboxing champion. <laughs> this, 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 just, you know, f- fighter, this, the boxing, this. I'm like, oh, shoot. And then the guy shows up and he's like over six feet tall. He's super muscular. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, no. So I'm like the whole, so then I go, do I say I kick you out? But then that makes it me and then I'm going to have to fight him. If I say we, that makes me look weak. I don't know what to do. So I just found something in the class that he couldn't do. And then it was just the two of us. No one showed up. So I just made him do this one technique over and over and over again. And the whole time, no, wrong, no, wrong, wrong. And then since he calls me upstairs during the class, he's like, what are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm just setting him up to kick him out. Says, so go, just kick him out, like that. <laughs> so we, I go, man, the class is over. So I stand at the door with his check in my hand, and then he comes to the, you know, he comes down, he's ready to leave, and I go, I don't even remember if I said we or I, in that moment, but oh, I said no. that we, we, but I or we have decided not to accept your membership. At the IQ Center, in Los Angeles. Here's your check back, and the guy's face got stern. What? And then he went. He went from what to? Are, are you serious? Like he was gonna cry. Wow. And I was like, Oh shoot! And then he's like, But why? And I go, We just, you know, we're not gonna accept your membership. And then he walked out. And the whole time, I'm thinking, Now I'm gonna have to fight this guy in the parking lot. He was huge, a foot more than a foot taller than me. And a little bit older too, but huge. And I was like, "Oh yeah, grizzled." Drives a a cab for a living in L.A. And I was like, "Oh man!" And the whole time, like, I'm thinking, "I'm gonna have to fight this guy in the parking lot." So talk about stress inoculation. So I go upstairs, and then Sensei goes, "How was it?" I said, "Never make me do that again." And Sensei deadpan looks at me and says, "Now you know how to do it." Hmm. And I was like, I was all mad. (laughs) And then the whole time I dressed and I was leaving and the whole time walking to the car I was like watching for an ambush (laughs) getting ready to like bust into a stance and get get it on with this dude got to the car locked the doors drove away (laughs) but I mean I was like I was sure that this dude was gonna get get to the car and be like "All right, I'm waiting for you at the car but he wasn't there you know but the point is is that Sensei stress inoculated me and then you know he said like now you know how to do it and I was like S-O-B damn it darn it like it was so stressful I mean but now I know how to do it right you know when I fired people when I was uh, a boss at a a job I fired a whole bunch of people and I'd be like I've been here before not that bad not that bad of a thing so you know as we summarize this whole thing really it comes down to mindset yeah how do you overcome X mindset how do you deal with this Mindset. mindset yeah it doesn't matter what it is uh bro- broken down car guy person trying to kill you you know loss of a loved one you got to train yourself right you have to train yourself to realize that none of this matters it is that's why you think that a samurai could just give away their life so easily and just kill themselves they, g- they kill themselves because really it's there's nothing in this world Not it's that whole idea that honra mu ichimotsu nothing exists nothing exists before nothing exists now so this is not that even big of a deal but then we make it a big deal hmm. so really on on earth it's all about mindset all about how you engage people and engage that thing which is confronting you right so i mean that's that's the hard part it's like <clears throat> if you're lactose intolerant and someone gives you all this ice cream mm-hmm. Right? That's either the worst thing that's ever happened to you, or but if you like ice cream, that's the best thing that ever happened to you. It all It's all mindset, right? Yeah, exactly. Sure.
2: Well, I think we answered Jackie's question today. <laughs> Hopefully. I think we gave her a good answer.
0: Yeah, and anyone else who wants to uh, send us a question, question.
2: Please send us questions, and we'll, we'll try to get to your questions.
0: Yeah, leave them in the comments if you want. But... Uh, Thank you very much for watching. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast or video channel. Uh, and thank you for watching.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.